show Thanks for tuning in Here it comes again And it hosts through other podcast okay. sites. Nice. Everything. It's like a special pro podcast SoundCloud thing or something like that. Right. That's awesome. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. And good evening. Yes. I have with me today, Mr. John Walsh. Hello, John. Hello. John, what is your age and what do you do for a living? I am, uh, as of last year, I'm 51 years old and I am currently a photographer. Photographer, what do you usually shoot? Uh, these days, mostly real estate, uh, but just about anything. I've, I've done quite a bit of concert photography. I've, okay. I, I got got into this doing concert photography as kind of a, a cathartic thing to try and help heal from <laughs> the incident that we're the, actually the talking incident. about tonight. <laughs> um, but as you well know, concert photography, especially American artists, pays little to nothing. Uh -huh. And... Uh, uh, the foreign artists are good, but they aren't here enough, and so I had to find something else that would uh, it, that would fill in the blanks for me. And real estate sure. tends to be one that's really steady. It might be a little easier to shoot things that are stationary too, instead yeah. of <laughs> and not in the dark. Yeah, right. <laughs> or just completely red. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> good black and white. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where it comes in to save. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least me. I don't like to spend too much time editing stuff. No. It's been a while for me for concert photography anyway, but sometimes it's fun, you know, a challenge. But if I have to do a lot of pictures quickly or if I'm just not digging the results and I'm just trying to make something out of nothing, basically, it's, yeah. like I said, it could be a, a nice challenge to embrace, but most of the time it just gets really tedious. And Yeah, and it's really hard to explain to a lighting guy. That yeah, I need all the front white that I can get. Yeah, do yeah. whatever effects no, it, in the back does. you want to, but please keep them lit. Yeah, it doesn't look <laughs> as cool though. With the yeah, <laughs> that's what they claim. But mm -hmm. yeah, you know, being able to see somebody is always a good thing. Yeah. Do you guys still have the magazine? Uh, no, I think she gave that up. I think it's a lot of work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't as active and hard to keep up with. Yeah, so. I had probably when Chantal and I met, I had probably just quit. James Via mm -hmm. clued me in to the way to get access is to have an e-zine, some sort of a magazine or publication that you're that you're shooting for. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot easier to start your own than what it is. So I put up PressPassMag.com and had that for a while and was getting great access. But uh, as you well know, <laughs> you know I, I'll, it was Nikki Six's tour manager that put the final nail in the coffin for me, man. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. He was such an asshole uh -huh. there at the bomb factory. And, um, oh, okay. I was just, you know, you, you, rent, you spend the money, you rent the lenses, you're carrying $10,000 worth of equipment into, yes. into a venue, and somebody that you're helping to promote comes out and treats you like a total yeah. ass. It's like, okay, man, I'm... And then that was about the time, too, that all the, the major acts started with that rights grab. If you take a picture of me, I own the picture. You, right. And I was like, I'm not signing that. If Taylor Swift writes a song about me, I don't own the song. Just because I took a picture of her doesn't mean she owns it. And right. So that's, and then somehow K-pop found me. And that's lucrative. They pay. They, they treat you well. But it's K-pop. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> not really familiar with that area very uh, much. And neither was I, but they fill stadiums in minutes, and it's all a bunch of little tween American girls mm-hmm. that I, I've literally been trampled and crushed up against the stage at <laughs> Verizon more than once. And wow. So, yeah. It's, uh, and, and like I say, it doesn't pay much. So right. I transitioned into the the real estate stuff, but also product photography and, sure. and boudoir. I'll, if I can press a button and get paid for it, I'm in. <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I briefly skimmed over your Facebook page, which I told you about, right. and I noticed some photos of you really high in the air. Yeah. I'm guessing yeah. Uh, you do some piloting or involved I, in I'm, flying? Yeah. My brother is a pilot on this really rich guy's jet, and so he was here in Dallas for a while and had a plane over at Northwest Regional, and so... I've always been interested in flying, but had never, aside from going and taking a couple of discovery flights, never really done much with it. Well, when he moved here and brought his plane here, there were a bunch of guys over there that they fly stunt stuff and, and these little RV planes that are just, they're, they're like Ferraris in the sky actually. And, uh, so I got really interested in it and started taking my private pilot and I, I'm, about halfway through that but given the the connections that i made at that airport there are guys that i can almost always jump in the back seat of somebody who's going up to do loops and barrel rolls and stuff the, cool. the blue and yellow plane that is that's in those pictures that's my brother's plane okay he's that's since cool. moved to chicago so <laughs> okay. the opportunities are not as prolific as what they were before but sure. yeah i that's another thing that I've done for myself over the past few years to to help kind of heal and 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 go back to taking care of me as opposed to you right. know some of the the ways that I used to live sure before. Well, that sounds like a good transition point <laughs> to <laughs> That's fine. start talking about that. Let me just say so we were messaging about this uh, when we talked about doing the podcast, and you mentioned a story about your ex. And you have a non-disclosure agreement involved, so there are things you can't talk about necessarily or give details on. And I just want to give you a chance to share some of that however you'd like to, and maybe we can kind of expound on some of those things. Yeah, it's, it, it's kind of a crazy story. Some backstory on it. Um, she and I met back in 2005 or 2006. At a bar I was running over in Fort Worth. Um, we had actually met before that, but the the genesis of us coming together started when she worked for me at this other bar. Mm-hmm. We started dating. You know, it was your typical relationship. We got along pretty good. Uh, we had some hard and fast rules, you know, no hard drugs, no lying. You know, you can have and do pretty much whatever you want as long as you're honest about it. And I give the same thing that I ask for. You know, like I say, things were fairly good for the majority of the time that we were together. Mm-hmm. The non-disclosure agreement part of it comes in where there was there was an event that happened that ended up us having to sign that non-disclosure agreement, but also in the process of that, we became married, common law married, because we had to sign as husband and wife in, in that deal. So... Texas laws, common law, you you execute a document as husband and wife, you hold yourself out to be husband and wife, you're married. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, just like going down and getting a license and standing in front of a preacher. Mm-hmm. 
as a result, this is a few years down the road in 20, 2010, 2011, we decided to open a business of our own, a bar down in the Waxahachie area. It was a cool little place, historic bar right on the town square. If you've ever been down the Waxahachie, you know the Rogers Hotel. We were in the basement of that hotel. And we opened the bar and, and everything was cool. And, you know, I'm, I'm putting in lots of time at the bar trying to build it out because I'm doing most of it myself. And so like I'm I'm spending a lot of time down there. She's at home taking care of our kids supposedly. And I started to notice that things were a little awry. Think the house was complete disaster. You know, so the discussion started that hey, you know, what what's going on here? You're not coming down to the bar to help. Kids are at school. What's going on? And she would tell me, you know, I'm just tired. It's, uh, I work a lot, you know, here trying to take care of the kids and that. And I was so consumed with putting that place together. It was just like, okay, you know, come on, try and help out a little more. Um, we finally got open. There were some stresses with that as well. The, it, I'll backstory on that a little bit. The, um, the bar had some immediate problems. The guy that we got the that we signed the lease with, the day I signed the lease and handed him a $15,000 check, prior to taking that money from me and signing the lease, he had filed bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And so we start the build out on the bar and I signed that lease sometime in October. We started the build out there at the end of October, 1st of November, December, Funny enough, everything seems to happen right around my birthday, too. On my birthday, the vice president of the bank that held the note on that hotel walked in and said, Hi, my name's Stuart. We've just repossessed this building, and we're knowing out all the leases that are here. So, But don't worry. We like what you're doing. You can stay. That was fine, because I'm about seventy-five grand into building up this bar at the <laughs> yeah. time. I, I, when he said that, I was panicking. I, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I was about to have a heart attack. Because you know, what are you going to do? Right. And but he's like, "Don't worry about it. We like what you're doing." Shortening this long story, we get open. We open in February. By the end of March, every reason that I had moved down there was gone. The, they had kicked out their, uh, there was a radio station cafe in, in, in that hotel. There were residents in that hotel. There was another bar in that same building. All of those things that brought people to the square were gone because they had repossessed and, and nulled out a lot of the, the leases. Plus, uh, down there as well was a theater, an old theater that hosted music, and they'd have concerts on the weekend. They ended up closing as well. So, you know, here we are. We're brand new. We're open. And every reason that we moved down there for was starting to disappear. A fairly good success when it first opened. But again, we're headed into what is typically the rough season for bars, which is summertime, about May, the bar business dies until the kids are back in school. Mm-hmm. So add that to the stress of the fact that I'm working 18 hours a day down there because I'm keeping an eye on everything. I can't actually work in the bar, but because of the way we had the liquor license structured, it was a private club, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But uh, So I'm down there every day. And I'm sorry, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Backing up a little bit, the weekend that we opened, 
I, I mentioned her issues with me being gone and her not taking care of things at the house to illustrate that there was starting to become some friction. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, what, where's this coming from? I'm down here working my ass off for our family. Where's this all coming from? She was a lot younger than me. <laughs> uh, and so there, you know, like with young people, occasionally you'll deal with the accusations and the, you know, Typically, I've learned in life, too, when somebody's pointing a finger at you, they've usually got three more pointing back at themselves. Mm -hmm. And so she started hurling these accusations about, you know, what are you doing down there? You, you want to be around all those waitresses? And I was like, look, that's the last thing I'm there for. I'm, I'm there trying to mind our money and make sure that this thing doesn't all crash so that everything doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. Because everything that we reason that we had to go there, it was a mistake to open down there. But. I was still trying to juggle it all and yeah the opening weekend it went off really well we had a great opening the the response to the bar was good but she chose opening weekend to call me and start this huge fight for nothing and as i get along down this road you'll you'll realize why uh, unbeknownst to me at the time she i'll just tell you now she was taking pills and that's why she was always asleep when mm. I'd call or, you know, why are you so tired? Why is nothing getting done? She was eating prescription meds that she got from anybody who would give them to her. And so, you know, there comes the irritability and, and all of that. And so, like I said, there were, there were these weird fights that came out of nowhere and these accusations that were being hurled out of nowhere. And she pissed me off so bad on that opening weekend that I was like, you know what? I have broken my back to get this thing off and off the ground. You want to run this? It's yours. I'm out. I'll go get a regular job somewhere. You can run this. Oh no, 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 no. That's not what I want. That's not, I, I don't know. You know, after she calmed down the next day, she's like, I don't know why I said the things that I did. I'm sorry. I'll never say them again. And I was like, all right, cool, whatever. We're going to go down the road. Just please you realize that I'm, doing all of this for us and our family. She had, um, she had a nine-year-old, or at the time was an eight-year-old daughter, and I had a nine-year-old son. Not together, but separately. So when they came to live with me, you know, basically I was, her daughter's father was not in the picture. So we became a family unit because my son's mother was not in the picture and her daughter's father was not in the picture. Mm -hmm. And so like I say, it, you know, I was doing what, what a responsible guy does go to work work hard for my family so that we could actually have a nest egg down the road mm -hmm. in this time there was a little bit of money that we had put back and during this time the only thing that she seemed to be satisfied with were shopping sprees and online shopping and so she was burning through whatever savings that we had i guess my assumption is, and, and it's come from some things that she said, I'm guessing that she assumed that when the bar opened, we were going to be printing $100 bills and, mm -hmm. you know, the cash flow was going to be unending. So she was spending like it was unending. So we head into it. The bar's open. We hit the summer months. It's bad. It's, you know, I mean, we're still getting business, but, you know, trying to keep employees there on days where it wasn't 
uh, real busy. Like I said, because of the way the license was structured, I could not serve the alcohol. Mm -hmm. I could monitor everything. I could quote unquote manage it, but I could not be in involved in the service of alcohol. So I had to hire people because I was the, the officer of the corporation. I could not be involved in, in right. the private license. So, you know, juggling through the summertime, trying to keep wait staff there and bartenders and everybody else, it was a nonstop job, you know, I mean, because if nobody's there, what are you going to do? You, you, you know, it, it's difficult not to open your doors when people know that you're supposed to be open. Mm -hmm. And we also, because of the way an in license is structured, we had to serve food. So I also had to be able to create either from the kitchen upstairs or our own food and that's a bit of a deal. We initially had a, a, a um, an agreement with the kitchen upstairs, but that fell through. So we started producing our own um, little sandwiches and stuff. So it was not, all that to say there was a lot of work there that I was getting no help for. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing it all myself, which in turn continued to cause friction at home. You know, I'm like, I'm working myself to the bone. I come home nothing's done nothing is there and i've got somebody who seems to be sleeping all the time mm -hmm. and so that that started causing arguments the arguments got so bad in fact that uh, and it wasn't necessarily the arguments it was the accusations and like i say you know people throwing accusations at you, you there's generally reason to look at them and mm -hmm. Through many of those fights, like I said, there was another in the very beginning of that fight uh, or the very beginning, that first fight that we had where I was gone on opening weekend, she threatened to take the bar away. That's why I was like, you know what? Keep it. I'm done with it. I'm not doing it. Part of the agreement with the reconciliation of all that was, look, understand. And, and there's even text that may or may not still be in that uh Facebook posting where she was like, you're a good man. I, I don't know why I said the things that I did. I, you know, it just getting to me that, you know, all these hours and everything. And so there was no real reason for it. It was just all of a sudden there'd just be this intense anger mm -hmm. come from her. So we head into the summertime. The summertime's bad, like I said, which the money started, it was, the bar was not at a point where we could live off of it yet because we're still trying to recoup operating costs and everything else. We're headed into a bad time of year. I'm trying to keep money in the bank. She's burning through it with a, a wild abandon. And so I started saying to her, look, I need some help. I need you to go get a job somewhere. It doesn't matter where. I don't care if you're a greeter at Walmart. We just got to stop the bleeding that's happening. Here. Mm -hmm. That was part of what was going on that summer is trying to convince her, look, just, I don't care what it is. I don't care what you're doing. Just put it in the plus column rather than constantly taking it mm -hmm. out. She refused, didn't want to do that. Um, it, it came down to, she would only agree to go work in another bar again. And I did not want that to happen. I was like, no, that's not going to happen. You know, let's, let's find something else. In between that, in that summer, I think it was end of June, first part of July, there was another fight where she again threatened to take 
you know, I'll divorce you and I'll take everything. I'm taking that bar. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. And I handed her the keys. I was like, you've bartended. You seem to know what's going on. This is you. I'm out. I'm going to go get a job somewhere. I refused to go back into that bar for like three or four days. Uh, my bartenders and everybody were like, hey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> please, <laughs> please come back. She doesn't know what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And I, I just kept, she, she eventually calmed down and there was a discussion where I was like, look, the only way I'm walking back into that bar is if, and there had been a discussion in the previous fight of a partition agreement where she was going to, in an effort to, to make me um, comfortable with the fact that she'd never do that again. She said, I'll sign it all over. It's all you. I'll sign a paper saying that I have no interest in it. It's all yours. In that first fight, I was like, look, I'm not going to make you do that. But if you ever threaten this again, that absolutely will come into effect. In June of that year, she did that again. And so I, in fact, put together a partition agreement that said that she gifted me 100% of her stake in the bar. Mm -hmm. not, not ever thinking that this would ever, I just wanted to take that argument off the table. Mm -hmm. We were married. You know, we had kids. Uh, my, my idea was that we were going to ride off into the sunset together. You know, we'd been together over six years. There was no reason to think that this wasn't just a hump in the road that we were going to get past. You know, young girls sometimes get crazy ideas in their head. It's okay. I'm good. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll, we'll go on. Little did I know that um, after signing that, and, and like I said, I still did not know that uh, her family had a, a history of self-diagnosis. So I didn't know that she was taking all these pills, but she was sourcing them from friends of hers and her mother and grandmother. I didn't know this because I'm gone all the time. I'm assuming everything is, you know, the kids are being picked up from school, dinner's being served to them. You know, I'm, I'm assuming everything is going on the way that it should be. Mm -hmm. um, and so the partition agreement was signed. Somewhere in between there, and, and she also had this thing about watching the show Snapped. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with what Snapped I've is. I've heard of it, but I've, I don't know. It's a show where no. women kill their husbands. <laughs> Yeah, okay. uh, or attempt to kill their husbands. And I'd come home and she'd be watching this thing religiously. And I, I was like, you know, I'm not real comfortable <laughs> with this. Oh, it's just a show. Don't, you know, don't be ridiculous. It's like, but it's a roadmap to killing your husband. <laughs> so, um, again, those are the things that you just kind of blow off. And so it was not that big a deal. It was just like, you know, uh, that's kind of weird. It, mm -hmm. It's what's your obsession <laughs> with women that try to kill their husbands? Yeah. And she assured me that nothing was, you know, there was nothing to be gleaned from that. She, it was just a show she liked on Lifetime, that damn Lifetime network. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, as the summer went on, things got worse. <laughs> she finally got me to agree to let her go back into the bars and work in the bars um do we want to say what kind of bars they were <laughs> that's fun whatever you I, I mean i i don't know who your listenership she uh she decided to go to the spearmint rhino okay and uh you can look that up if you want. Yeah, yeah yeah uh and i was like look i'm 
I'm really not okay with this. We got away from all that. And she was like, look, it's something that I can do and make quick money fast. I don't want to be away from the kids. I don't want to get a regular normal job because then we got to pay for childcare. You know, she said all the things that made a little bit of sense, you know, and sure. If you can go in there and make a couple of quick hits and we don't have to worry about it, that's, that's fine. You know? But that isn't what was happening. Backing up a little bit, she signed the partition agreement. And like I said, I thought everything was fine. Like I said, the money got worse. She agreed to go get a job. But I did not realize all that was going on in the background at the time. Mm -hmm. So lo and behold, we get through July and August. End of July, first part of August is when she went back and started working. But she wasn't making money. And it was like, you know, look, why are you even doing this if you're not making money? That's that's the reason we're doing this. Not not for you to go party or, you know, mm -hmm. because increasingly, too, she was and she'd be on the phone slurring her words a little bit. And I'm like, are you drunk? That's not what you're there for. You know, keep it together. We, we have a we have a, a common purpose here. But. That, in fact, was not what was going on. She just wanted to get back into the bar to have better access to the pills and the booze and, mm -hmm. and everything else. And so the week of the last week of August of that year, 2012, there were two fights that happened that week. I had joined. Do you know what the Odd Fellows are? Mm -mm. The Odd no. Fellows are like the Masons. I had joined this group down in Waxahachie, the Odd Fellows. Which is, it's just a charitable group, a, a, a fraternal order of guys that get together and we actually have a couple of orphanages that we sponsor and an old folks home down in Ennis that, that we take care of. And so my initiation into that was that Monday and, you know, fraternal orders, odd fellows, woodsmen, masons, there's all these quote unquote secret rituals that have, and it's nothing more than just ceremony really but she was like well what's going on in there and i was just short sort of jokingly i was like well i can't tell you <laughs> you know i can't tell you what the what the initiation is about it's it's just a you know a series of rituals that the guys go through she got really mad that i wouldn't tell her what was going on and like i said at first it was just kind of tongue-in-cheek but when she made it a really big deal i, I dug my heels in and, and probably shouldn't have <laughs> but i did and so that caused a pretty nasty argument where i i was just kind of bewildered at, at why it it got so nasty it, it, you know, and it was one-sided nasty. She was being really hateful <laughs> yeah. to me. And I just, I was like, you know, whatever. I, it's it, it's one of the few days I actually do something for myself other than, <laughs> other than work at that bar. And it was good because it was right across the street from the bar there in, in Waxahachie or catty-cornered and down the road a little bit. So it was within walking distance. We had dinner together. There were several notable people in the area that, that were involved. And it was all to get together for charitable stuff. They got a parade in the state fair or a float in the state fair parade. And like I said, we, we do a lot of with orphanages and, and the old folks home and, and stuff like that. So it was just something that I felt like I was giving back to the community. So I didn't really think it was that big of a deal you know mm -hmm. that i would need to explain it the second fight happened that was monday night 
Tuesday, Tuesday's actually when we had the argument about me not telling her what the rituals were. Wednesday, she comes home, and I showed you a picture. Good-looking girl. She comes home with pink and purple hair. And I, I'm not talking about a cute little stripe, you know. I'm talking circus clown pink and purple hair. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? You know, really, what's going on with you? You are alienating yourself. If you're going to go into this place, you're not making any money as it is. Why cut yourself off from half of the audience? You know, I mean, granted, it's kind of funky, but at the same time, you're not there for that. You're not there to play. You're only there for the betterment of us. Do not cut yourself off from things like that. And I got pretty angry because at this point, She's going into this place all the time. It's not being fruitful. I'm I'm like, this is, you know, if this doesn't change, you're done there. This is not what I agreed to. This is not what we're going to do. That was Wednesday night. Thursday, she calls me at the bar. She's bringing the kids. Actually, no, I may be getting the days mixed up. But anyhow, in that week, she got her hair fixed. Mm -hmm. The next day, she calls me at the bar and says, I've got to bring you the kids. I got to go in. And I'm like, uh, it's a school night. What are you doing? You're going to bring the kids to the bar. It, you're not making any money down there. I've got a customer coming in. I've got to go. I'm, I'll get them some dinner and I'll bring them to you. And the thing is we had a big office back in the back that I had couches and stuff in. they weren't hanging out in the bar, but mm -hmm. it, it was enough that until I got the bartenders lined out and could take them home, they had a place to stay. So mm -hmm. I, I agreed. Little did I know that she left after dropping those kids with me at six. She left and went over to a friend's house and was hanging out with her. Um, well, I won't mention that name because um, they're people of note as well. So and they're actually also some of the people that I talked about, you know, being too afraid to to talk on what I was putting together in this story because for fear of retaliation from mm -hmm. her. So she goes over to this person's house and hangs out. And this person told me that next day or, or two days later when we finally spoke to him um, that the behavior was really erratic and that when she finally got her to leave the house about nine o'clock, one of the last things she said to her was, I'm going to kill my husband. And this person was like, ah, you know, come on, don't, don't talk like that. That's ridiculous. You know, you guys, you'll have problems here or there. She goes, no, I think I'm going to kill him. <laughs> and the whole time she's listening on repeat to Miranda Lambert's gunpowder and lead. That's why the story was mm. named gunpowder and lead. She goes to work that night and proceeds to get annihilated. I don't hear from her all night, which is really odd. Typically, she'd text or call or something like that. So about two when she was, uh, I, I got the kids home and a bartender, um, there's a whole lot of backstory on this that I'm missing, but it, it probably doesn't matter. Getting to it, though, about 2 a.m., I start calling her phone and there's no answer no answer. And so I'm, you know, call the club. No, she left here a little while ago. No show, nothing, you know, and about five o'clock she rolls up 
and I was out on the driveway with my next door neighbor who also had worked for me, but they, him and his wife had just had a baby and they had just come home from either a relative's house or, or something. They were off showing the baby mm-hmm. to somebody. And so when I, when they came home, they saw me out there and they're like, what's going on? And I basically told them, look, you know, the last time I couldn't find her, there was a problem. She'd been hurt. I'm really worried. I can't get her to raise her on her phone. You know, there, there's been some things here recently that lead me to believe that she might not be, you know, substance free. I, I'm really worried about what's going on. So Bob sat out there with me for a little bit. And about 530, here she comes down the road. And she pulled in the driveway and immediately Bob walks over to his house and she looks at me and goes, what? And I'm like, where the hell have you been? I've been trying to call your, your phone. What's going on? She sped past me and went to the back. Our driveway went up around behind the house. She gets out of the car and man, I, I'm, I'm heated. I'll admit it. I, I'm like, where the hell have you been? What is going on? I've been calling your phone. What's the deal? I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't get no phone calls. And she throws her phone. We were standing in the garage at that point, and there was a table there that we were standing across from one another. And I'm like, where the hell have you been? I didn't get no calls. And she throws the phone down on the table. I pick it up and put it in my back pocket, knowing that that phone would tell me just about whatever it was I needed to know. And I'm like, you're you're fucked up. What are you on? Because... It was really weird. She was super manic, but slurring her words. Mm-hmm. So, and later found out that she had eaten a bunch of pills and drank on top of it and then went and did a bunch of meth to get her woke up enough to come home. Hence the erratic, manic behavior that was about to ensue. And I was like, you know, I'm going to give you one more chance to tell me where you were and what's going on with you. I don't even know who you are at this point. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do nothing. I wasn't anywhere. I haven't done any drugs. I'm completely sober. I was like, I'm looking at you and I know you are not anywhere near what would be called sober. And she threw a couple more denials and I looked, looked her straight in the eyes. Like, is that the way it's going to be? Is that, is that really all you have to say on the subject? And she goes, yep. And so very calmly, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you know when you're done with something. You have no more anger about it. I looked at her very calmly, did like this and said, fine, I wash my hands of this. I'm done. You get whatever it is that you want or need and you put it in your car out there and be gone with you. I'm over this. I'm done. We'll, we'll get a divorce. We'll, we'll figure all this out, but I'm done. She goes, you done? Oh, yeah? And I went, yeah. So she starts smashing things. And I, having been an older man, I, I, I understand what my cue is at this point. I went outside. <laughs> I got complete, because I knew Bob and KK were awake next door. Mm-hmm. So I wanted a witness to know that I wasn't mm-hmm. a party to any of that. And... She spent the next 45 minutes raging in the house, smashing everything that was glass that would break. In this, obviously, this is going on at like 5.30, 5.45 in, in the morning. Our kids wake up. They come out, what's going on? Crying. And, and so 
I usher them back to their rooms and I'm like, look, she, why is she breaking all this stuff? I, she's upset. Don't worry about it. You guys right now, everything's going to be fine. Just, I need y'all to go into your room and stay there. And, and until you're asked to come out, like I said, she, she just continues to rage and smash shit in the house. And when she's leaving, she gets everything put into the car. She goes and gets her daughter and she puts her in the car and she goes, you're going to give me my phone back? And I, I, I said, no. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not. I said, you mean my phone? And she goes, because I was like, it's in my name. <laughs> you know, it's my account. I was being an asshole. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. But I wasn't aggressive. I was this calm because I literally knew there was no need for excitement at this point. I'm done. It's better to not excite this situation anymore. I'm dealing with somebody who's obviously intoxicated and not acting in their right mind. I'm not going to antagonize that person other than keep their phone. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so she goes, well, I've got your iPad. And I knew why she wanted the iPad. The iPad had the access to the cameras on the bar on it. And so I was like, give it back. She's like, I'll trade it to you for the phone. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> and I walked over and uh, she had her daughter crack the window just enough to slide the iPad through. And as the iPad came through the, the window of the car, I just lightly grabbed the iPad, put the phone back into my back pocket and said, thank you. And started walking off. I got 10 steps away from her when I heard her daughter in a blood-curdling scream, say, no, mommy, don't. And I turned around just in time to see her coming up out of the car with my 40 caliber pistol, and she goes, my phone, ch -ch, your gun. And she goes to level it on me, and I was just about to utter the words, Rhiannon, don't be ridiculous. But I got re- out of my mouth and saw the look in her eye and knew 100% she was going to pull the trigger. At that point, I turned around to run. And as I'm running, she starts pulling the trigger on the gun. And she double tapped. She pulled the trigger twice. Reason being is my pistols that I had in the, in the house, I always loaded with a single round of snake shot prior to any other rounds. In the, we had kids, you know, in the event of an accidental discharge or something like that, I wanted a non-lethal round in the gun mm -hmm. so that if anything did happen, you know, we at least had a, a stop gap there. Sure. She was well-trained enough in, in, in weapons that she realized the second she pulled that trigger that it was the, the snake shot round. So she double tapped. She, she pulled the trigger a second time. And as I was running, like I said, I got hit in the right arm. I had a couple of pass-throughs with it, snake shots like a, a shotgun, shotgun show. And so, and then the hollow point round, I've got a picture of the door. You can see the door that I was running to has the remainder of the shot pattern that didn't hit me and then uh, the center center mass mm -hmm. where the hollow point went through the hollow point passed right between my arm and my torso as i was running away mm -hmm. i ran through the house and out the front door pulling the phone out of my back pocket dialing 911 going please help somebody help i've just been shot at that point she had come through the house and passed right by my son who had come out when he heard me screaming that I'd been shot. He'd come out of his room and 
he later told me and the counselor that she walked right past him with the gun out the front door to try and finish the job. And when she saw me on the phone with the cops, she turned around, went back through the house, threw the gun in either the bedroom or the laundry room there as she was headed out the back door, went next door, got her daughter, got in the car and sped away. Lancaster police arrested her leaving the neighborhood in a felony stop and took her to jail and her daughter was later picked up by her family. Mm. And so that was how this all got started. Immediately following, I was in an insane, uh, you know, the thing is I tell people, I, I never really I gave much credence to PTSD. I was like, you know, come on, I've had bad things happen to me. Get over it. You know, mm-hmm. you suck it up. And PTSD is a real thing. And it's something you can't just get over. It's not something that you can just, I mean, I have very little recollection in the months after this happened uh, of where I was, who I was with. I, I met my little brother's girlfriend for the first time and have zero recollection of it. You know, they came and stayed at my house and not a clue. And like I said, I'd seen things like this before. I, I, in a past life, I was a repo man, so it was no big deal. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've had guns pulled on me. I've even been shot at before. But And I tell people all the time, if you'd have told me that morning that the day was going to end with her shooting me, I'd have, told, I'd have looked you right in the eye and told you you're ridiculous. That She might shoot herself, but there's no way she'll shoot me. She ain't got it in her. Well, I knew unequivocally when I looked at her in the eyes and she leveled that pistol on me that there was a 100% chance she was going to start <laughs> yeah. pulling the trigger. Yeah. Uh, there's a look in somebody's eye when they're re- that resolved, mm-hmm. and, and she absolutely was. And so the police came. They arrested her. I started trying to pick up the pieces. The funny thing is, the very next day, the person whose house she had been at came to us and said, oh, my God, she said she was going to kill you. <laughs> I didn't take her serious, but she she actually told me she was going to do this. Then as well, employees at the bar that she was working at reiterated some of the same things. We start going back through the phone. My attorney and I start going back through the phone that I had. Mm-hmm. She was looking up ways to poison me and it turns out because i had partitioned the bar her initial plan was she was going to poison me and make it look like uh just natural causes because i'd worked myself i was older you know worked myself to death yeah (laughs) so to speak and evidently when i when she came home and i told her get whatever it is you need i'm i'm done she felt the need to escalate her situation because when they arrested her, her defense all the way through was I was trying to hand him the gun back and it went off. And they're like, ma'am, you pulled the trigger twice and you shot him in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, that uh, that was the beginning of the story, believe it or not. It Man. gets even more interesting after that. That's some crazy stuff. I'm telling you, man. I, I lived it. <laughs> this doesn't even compare, but it reminds me of when I got hit one morning on the road driving into work. Mm-hmm. Some lady, I'm driving down a main road, and she is on a crossroad, 
at a red light and she's trying to turn right on the street that I'm already going down. I'm in the right lane. So if she were to pull out, I'd hit her obviously. Right. So I have a green light, I'm going and she pulls out as I'm going through the intersection. So she clips my back tire and fender well, right. the, you know, the back of my truck. And I pull off to the side, hit a curb and pop both of my tires on the right side. And she pulls up behind me, her front ends all smashed and everything. And, um, she gets out and she says, do you, do you have insurance? And I'm looking at her like, I said, yeah. And she, I goes, sure do, and she, not and she said, it. Oh good. And I said, wait, what do you mean? Oh good. You hit me. And she goes, Oh no, you hit me. <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> I just walked away. Yeah. You know, cause I at mean, that point I, you can't argue. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're so obviously crazy you're, you're, yeah, your mind is made. So I call the police and they get there and she, she says the same thing that it was my fault. But she's telling the officer that we were on the same road driving side by side, and I swerved into her, thinking, man, that is wildly off from what actually happened. And it was just so classic. The officer said, well, okay, so if you're driving on the same road and you're in this area, why is your license plate back in the intersection, way back over there, on the wrong side of the road or whatever? Yeah. You know? And she had just the look on her face, just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> just to catch somebody in just ridiculous moments. What is it with moment. people and lying, man? I, uh, and, and they'll look at you straight in the face. like uh, uh. I've been there a couple of times in my youth, making terrible decisions or you know lying about my grades or something. But I mean, I'm a kid. Yeah. I mean, you grow up at, at some point and realize that, you know, that I, I don't know. I, I'm traumatized by lies. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I uh, I have a a, a special uh, disgust for it. I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not a fan whatsoever. Right. Okay. okay. So up to that point, I'm assuming some of this plays a role in your everyday life as far as just things coming up, like you said, whether it be a PTSD situation or just a random thing that reminds you of something. I'm, I'm sure it kind of puts you in a more cautious state in a lot of dealings or just I haven't dated, I don't know, trust I haven't dated anyone since I can imagine that. <laughs> yeah I I have I've had friends that that I've known for many years that I hang out with but it, it really really destroyed and it's coming back I, I I've I I made a conscious decision after coming out of the fog of this that regardless of what her actions were, this was a culmination of life choices that I had made in my life. I, um, like I said, I, I always kind of, I, I guess you could say I, I'm a nut magnet. <laughs> I, I really am, man. I, I, my, my picker is definitely broke. I, I cannot pick a good woman to save my life. And this is something that I know about myself because I guess the little bit of edge that I look for is, uh, is dangerous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a little too sharp of an edge. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's actually that's actually how I became a photographer. Um, I was always kind of interested in it, but as a way to kind of bring myself some healing, I another one of my little brothers, the one that's the pilot, he and I kind of will bounce off of one another quite a bit. And he had decided to get back into photography and bought this camera, and I was like, "Oh man, yeah, I'll 
I'll get one too. And, yeah. and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll go back and forth and, and help one another. And because I'd spent the money on the camera, I, I took the time to actually really learn mm-hmm. how to use it. And that was part of the catharsis that, that I did to, to help heal myself yeah, yeah. from that. So, yeah. yeah, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> There's still just like the basic questions of aperture and right. whatnot. I, I just kind of, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, you know, open clothes. Digital makes uh, it mean, real uh, easy today too. Cause <laughs> does it make it brighter or darker? I don't right. Know. right. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of dumb in that. Area. It's just, that's how I am with music too. In a, in a way, I don't know how to read music or anything. It's mostly self-taught and I just, I guess I rely on my, my eye for photography but it would help if I knew more about the basics because I could I could achieve things quicker. Yeah. Same with music, which I've I've kind of gone back over the years where things that I've glazed over and just tried to like I don't know flub my way through a solo or something like that without really learning it. You're an amazing guitar I've, player, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I've more recently or recent years, I guess now I would go back and revisit something and actually sit down and try to learn something. I'm currently doing doing that now with with one stupid Megadeth solo I've been hooked on for like three four weeks it seems like every time i pick up the guitar i play that solo because i want to try to get it down you know i'm not playing it note for note but i'm playing it the way i want to play it right and but i'm still messing it up (laughs) so i can't shake that but it feels it feels great to actually dig in and learn something you know and and it makes me feel kind of dumb for not doing it before so oh i i I, totally get it it's it's great to be able to do that I've, i've much more of a learning mode last few years yeah to just um instead of glazing over things like right. i have done a lot of my life yeah no I, not the greatest i did the exact and, same thing with guitar i'd, I'd learn pieces and parts mm-hmm. and uh, my my knowledge is swiss cheese in a lot of ways but i'm self-taught just just like that and uh you know it's it, you you get fixated on something that you want to learn and you do it over and over and over until mm-hmm. until you get it yeah, or you're at least satisfied. Yeah, that yeah. You, you can get to move a, on to the next, a better so. place of satisfaction. Yeah. yeah. So with all of these events, I guess uh, you said that your your son knows stuff about it and everything. Does he yeah. know like a lot of details or just what he's actually seen? Oh uh, well, at, at this point he's 18, so I mean he he knows it pretty well frontwards and backwards uh, as far as what happened there because that. Believe it or not, as shocking as that sounds, that's really where the trauma started. Mm-hmm. The The fact that we could not get any type of justice out of Dallas County, you know, further fed my depression and my PTSD. And, you know, another crazy thing that happened through all of it is the counselor that he and I spent so much time going through all this and opening up all of these wounds into a few months into our, our seeing this person, they decide to move to Brownsville <laughs> and they're like, uh, we've got another counselor we're going to put you with. And I said, first of all, if you think we're going to rip these wounds open again to, to tell somebody new about all this. And so we had to, we didn't continue with that particular counseling uh, office, but we had to to piecemeal a lot of it back together for ourselves. Yeah. And and uh, gosh, yeah, yeah, that's that's awful. And just like you said, reopening a wound. Yeah, 
every single time, man. When I started writing what I what I gave you, even then reliving it and going back through the court documents and everything, mm, and, and yeah. it's it, it's just it's yeah. I I slipped into another major depression, and it, it's it's one of those things that talking about it actually, and I've gotten to a point now where I realize that part of the healing process is going to be getting it out and then leaving it behind me, you know? Sure. And so that's kind of where this whole thing. And when I saw that you were looking for people on this type of subject, I was like, well, I might be able to add. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So have you actually been diagnosed or anything with PTSD? Specifically, uh, that or? particular counselor did. Yes. Okay. I, I, there was never any, I'm not a medication guy. Um, sure. I, I would really prefer not to put anything into my body like that. I'm not going to be mm -hmm. anybody's test dummy. And so basically I, I white knuckled it for several months through that. And then, um, like I said, through finding creative outlets and, and finding value in myself, aside from it, it was very much a conscious decision to, to stay single because I realized that in that I made decisions that were not always the healthiest decisions for me, but might've been the shiny new toy that I wanted at that moment. Sure. Yeah. And then I'd get myself so engulfed and ingrained with that shiny new toy that then your life is intertwined and it's, it, it becomes a, a major ordeal to try and shift that in any way. Mm -hmm. And so I made a concerted effort to make sure that I started making better decisions in my life and for me and, and for my kid. Um, you know, I, I've had full custody of him since he was 10 months old. And so the, the overwhelming feelings of failing him too were something that I had to come to grips with because, you know, here I am trying to put a, a positive female influence in his life and I messed that up 10, 10 ways to Sunday, you know? And mm -hmm. so it was a matter of making sure that number one, I didn't put anybody else in his life that because of the, the estranged relationship that he had with his mother, I didn't want to put another female into his life that again, let him down in any kind of way Yeah. as well. I knew that I had a propensity for making really stupid decisions. Uh, my little guy gets me into all kinds of trouble, man. <laughs> and so I, I retired him for a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, but as far as actually, I I'm, I'm at a point now to where, um, I've decided to seek some, some additional counseling because I've, I put a lot of that to rest, but there are other parts of my life that I think I need to, to address. And the, the remaining depression and, and I don't know that I'm still, I guess you could probably say that I still suffer a little bit from the PTSD, mm -hmm. but it's not, it doesn't live with me 24 hours a day the way that it used to, you know? And so, so just certain situations maybe, or, or is it more <laughs> funny like enough, a, more like a random thought or memory? It, it, it's, it, if I see a female with a gun, <laughs> okay, yep, <laughs> you know, like you, you, you look on these dating profiles and, and and girls have got these pictures of them at the firing range. <laughs> nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Think about that. Not happening, man. Not happening at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, females with a gun. Um, any female talking about that type of violent, you know, 
the the thing about it is too the you know the, there's not enough emphasis put on female on male domestic violence at the mm -hmm. time that that they were taking her to the grand jury on this which was a complete travesty in itself the mayor of Dallas was holding this big thing at city hall about uh, domestic violence. This is also when the Jody Arias trial was going on and they were making a big deal of her trying to kill him, but just kind of downplaying it all because she was a female. There's, there's a real problem with that actually. And the courts don't look at it the same way. You know, had I shot her, I'd have been on the front page or the, the front cover of time magazine, you yeah, know, still being yeah, prison they, or something. They would have made me an example Instead, with her, they downgrade it from felony one to felony two so that they can... A, a domestic Aggravated domestic assault is felony one. There's no precedent for it to be anything else. But Dallas County knew that they wanted to plea bargain this, and so they dropped it to felony two so that they could plea bargain it out. I said to the ADA, I was like, if she'd have been a better shot you'd be prosecuting the death penalty right now. And he's like, why do you say that? I said, because three of her friends came to us the day after and told us that she was premeditating this. Mm -hmm. Premeditated murder is a capital offense, man. Right. He goes, well, we don't prosecute intent. We can prove she shot you, and that's what we're going to go with. And so they, they took it to court to immediately plea bargain it to six years adjudicated probation. That they had no intention of enforcing at all. And crazy. yeah, the fact that, you know, like I said, had I done that to her, I'd have been a poster child for domestic abuse. You know, that mm -hmm. they, they, I'd have been front page news in every newspaper in, in North Texas. And, and, and I make a big deal about the fact that Dallas County probably victimized me more than what she did because. Every time that we get her caught or, or you know, she'd violate her probation, they'd just smack her on the wrist and let her go. Um, as I was telling you before, when, they, when she was finally let off of probation at the end of 2019, she was standing trial for shoplifting at a Walmart in, in Fort Worth. She was arrested. They violated her probation. And the judge just signed her off and let her go while she's standing trial. You know, why do we even have this if it's mm -hmm. not going to be? Yeah. You know, right. It's just, and that probably caused, you know, her shooting me, believe it or not, it was one of the most horrific things that ever happened to me, but it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me too, because it may, it forced me to make a hard right turn in my life. And while I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a bad guy to begin with, I just, I, I didn't have all my priorities in order like they should have been, and I prioritized the wrong things in my life way too often. And that, you know, it having that happen to me caused me to throw myself into what I do now, which is the photography thing. I've not had a bad day, you mm -hmm. know, doing that. And, and right. I literally cannot say that about anything else that I've ever done. You know, there've been days that weren't the greatest and it hasn't been the money that, that I was accustomed to right. <laughs> in other parts of my life. But, um, I learned that a lot of that just, it doesn't matter anymore. You know, it's, uh, being happy and, and having that thing where you can wake up in the morning and know that 
you've not done anything wrong and you don't have to look <laughs> over your shoulder for anything. Those are, you know, yeah, that's, uh, that's a good feeling. And, and to be happy to go to work and have things where you create and you're creating something every yeah, day. Sure. That's, um, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, I'm yeah. glad to hear that. I haven't really talked to anybody with, with PTSD or something that's like a reoccurring issue or something that dramatic really that's happened to them that they want to tell me about or talk about. It, it really makes me understand veterans a lot better. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I said, for, for the longest time, I thought, uh, it's just another, uh, uh, another four letter, you know, mm -hmm. acronym for, you know, get over it. And yeah. it was, it's not, it, it absolutely isn't. And now having the understanding that I, that I do now, I, I can't imagine the vets that, saw some of the horrific things yeah, that I they can't saw. imagine that kind yeah. of stuff if whether it be you know by their own hands or yeah. someone they know happening to them or them doing something to someone else I mean yeah we've all seen crazy movies and yeah. I'm sure they're not that far from the truth in no a lot there's of situations you know, are, and some of the documentaries as well with you know the embeddeds and stuff that that happened you know we we've got a lot more of it to see than what we ever have and mm -hmm. you know even that, being in the lexicon, I can't imagine for the vets who actually experienced it to have it be just so commonplace and on YouTube or you know part of our entertainment. What that must must do to them, you know, yeah. it's um, and, and how it it will, uh, you know. I I assume I'm going to live with this my entire life. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. um, for the longest time. I'd gotten rid of all my guns. I wasn't, didn't want them around me. You know, not that I'm anti-gun in any way, because I'm not. I, I, I fully believe in, in our right to possess, but um, I didn't want somebody else having access. You know, she shot me with my gun. Right. <laughs> my gun. That stings a little differently. <laughs> yeah, man. And then um, the police actually gave it when they gave it back to me, I... I thought for a while I was going to keep it, and it was one of those things that it it like it, it gave me nightmares. The thing even being in the house, I I had to get rid of it, mm -hmm. and so uh, and it wasn't necessarily it it was just because that was the weapon that I I was shot with, you know. And so yeah. I I would say that I'm better. I I don't know that I'll ever be completely cured, but again, I probably you know didn't seek all the professional help that I probably should have through the entire process either. Uh, I guess always, you still could, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in realizing that I'm still dealing with some of that depression and over the last year uh, and the things that have come out as a result of Dallas County dropping the ball the very last time again, you know, I, I had to assess myself as well. It, somebody said to me not too long ago, a friend of mine that, that knew me and knew her from back in the day, I saw them over Christmas and we were talking about it and, and she was like, you know, it might be time to let all that go. And the funny thing is, is that had never really occurred to me. I mean, it had, but I, I've been holding on wanting some type of justice out of this. And, you know, the fact that the, I was failed by the Dallas County on all that. And, and she's actually threatened to sue me for telling this story as well. I was going to ask that as well. Yeah. After she was forbidden from contacting me, uh, I was, I was awarded almost, well, 
at this point, it's over a million dollars in compensatory damages against her. Uh, she was supposed to pay um, three years of spousal support, which she never did. And, you know, so I was holding on to a lot of that, hoping to be able to get some justice on this and mm -hmm. watch this person have to, you know, answer for what they did rather than just getting a pass all the time. Right. And um, I'm starting to come to the realization that that's not going to happen. Uh, no matter how bad I want it to, the the judge that let her go is not, you know, she's still driving her Mercedes, making her big paycheck from the county of Dallas. And that in itself is probably, like I said, I wanted to see her uh, face some justice from it. But as well, if anything, I want, I want people to take a look at the fact that the people who we put in those places to to hold justice for us. Mm -hmm. it, it's a mill. They don't give a shit. They don't, they don't care. They aren't, you know, it, it's a way for lawyer buddies to help other lawyer buddies make more money. There's, there's no such thing as any kind of criminal justice system. That's why the police are frustrated with what they're doing because, you know, they, uh, I, I've heard it from several of them. You know, we arrest these guys, we put them in jail, you know, violent criminals, they're they're out doing the same stuff the very next day mm -hmm. because there is no criminal justice system that rehabilitates or or even you know punishes people for doing what they're doing until they're given no other choice which is we might have a little less crime yeah. <laughs> if there was actual consequence for what you did. Right. Consequence and and like you said just a different rehabilitation, better rehabilitation. Exactly. I mean just locking someone up in a room is with other people that have done horrible things or whatever. Yeah, we can't expect any any, any kind of rehabilitation and, and and making them private now too. Pri mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> prison for profit. That's I mean, there's so many things that uh, <laughs> yeah, that could go down a whole different rabbit oh, I, hole. I mean, man, I mean, what were you saying about your uh, friend that was saying to let it go? That's something I think that. It just depends on when you hear that phrase or that statement. Yeah. It all depends on your mindset. If you're still upset about it enough, you're probably going to say, fuck you. Yeah. You're like, I can't let this go or this never, I'm never going to let this go. But maybe when you're in a little bit of a more healed state, not to say that you'll be fully healed by any means, right. but more healed and more open-minded to just accepting it for what it is and being able to move forward you can let it go and not hold on to it. It's still probably going to be there. You're just letting it go and dropping it on the floor and oh, yeah. it's still sitting there, yeah. but you're not clenching it and thinking about it all the time. And Yeah, that's the thing. I, I know that, uh, I mean, it's part of my history. It, it'll never be gone from the memory banks. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm always going to be positively and probably negatively affected by it. But not letting it define me any longer for the longest time. It defined me, man. It, mm -hmm. it defined every relationship I had it, it both personal, professional and, and not relationship as far as love relationship, friendships, business relationships, yeah. you know, uh, if the honesty thing, I became so hypersensitive to somebody being honest with me that if I caught you and, and it didn't matter who it was, if I caught them in even the slightest mistruth, I, 
I had to cut that person off. I could not let that person anywhere near me because this overwhelming disgust, that was not about them. That was about yeah, me, right, man. Right. And, and as I started to address that, I mean, everybody, you're going to lie. The, you know, you feel okay? Yeah, man, I'm good. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Spirit feelings yeah, or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. You know, it's it's a matter of finding where I could trust another human being again has been probably one of the biggest battles for me in all of this because I have to give people latitude to be fallible, but at the same time hold my relationships to a certain standard, you know, so that I know that I'm dealing with people genuinely and that they're dealing with me genuinely. Um, that's probably the wound that has been the hardest to heal through all of this. Yeah. And the thing that brings me the most angst is just a, a vehement disgust for people who, who are lying about things, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the big thing with me also is intent. Why are you lying? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because uh, I'm not saying that it's it would be justified either way necessarily, but it'd be nice to know why you feel like you need to lie about something. Yeah. The ones that confuse me are the ones that cannot give you an answer for that. Yes, right. You know? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I've told you, you don't have to lie. I, I will respect you more if you have the balls to tell me the truth, even if it's a truth I don't want to hear. Does my breast stink? Tell me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Have the nuts to say something. But that's not how we're conditioned as a society either, though. Yeah. I've made a lot of people upset for being honest or not sparing the feelings necessarily because I don't want to be dishonest. Yeah. There's rarely instances where I feel like I should be or need to be, but I, sometimes I go out of my way to be overly honest about something and, you know, maybe it could be a little awkward for a minute, but usually after that awkward minute, it's better than it was before yeah. or normal, yeah. you know, and I don't have to worry about if they're going to catch me in a lie or something yeah. for the next 24 hours, 48 hours, or however long I have to keep this lie or, yeah. you know, whatever. It's just, well, because it builds it's on it. itself. You have to tell another lie to save yeah. that lie. And, you know, as a young man, as, as you were saying, as a young man, the truth and I were not well acquainted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it all changed for me for the most part, you know, I mean, I'm still human. I still mess up, but somebody said to me once, you know, you don't have to lie. We know you're full of shit, but we still like you, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, <laughs> we still like you even without all those grandiose stories that you try to tell. And, you know, I was young enough that, that I was able to, to hear what they were saying too, you know, or I, not young enough, but I trusted that person enough and I was young enough to have it not be part of my fabric of who I was. You know, I, I was trying to, to find acceptance in, in crowds. We moved around a lot as a kid. My dad was a musician and I, I was everywhere. Uh -huh. And so I didn't, ever really have those lifelong friendships or, or relationships mm. because we were in a new town every six months, you know? And so it was, it was one of those things that, you know, as a young kid, you're trying to fit in and all that. And, but I learned by having that person who I respected and trusted enough and liked enough to, to actually hear what they had to say to me that I didn't have to be that person. Mm. And that, 
I don't, then it was a few years later that I was taught some other things through a uh, sort of a self-help type situation with martial arts. Uh, I, I became real close to this guy who was, he was in a 12-step program and applied those principles to just about everything that he taught. And so um, I was, you know, it, it was one of those things that I realized that I didn't have to be more than what I was. I didn't, I, I needed to be honest for me, not for you. It was mm-hmm. me it kept up at night, not, right. you know, not you not liking me or not knowing that, that I was this or that. It was important for me to to have that honesty in my life. And so I, I would tell people, I, I'll tell you the truth, even if it hurts you, because I want to stay sane. <laughs> I want to stay sane. And so, uh, but I also learned you can wield the truth like a sword. <laughs> yeah. And that's where I, I had to, you know, sometimes you have to be a little bit delicate about, about your right. truth and, and whether or not it even matters. Maybe it's your opinion, not your truth, you know, uh-huh. and so. Yeah, and that's, that goes kind of hand in hand with the intent thing, intent and delivery. Yeah. <laughs> delivery. The, the method of yeah. delivery. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you have to yell your point? Yeah. That's why I've been very, I don't want to say anti-Facebook, but I have. I have not spent many minutes at all a day anymore versus wasting so much time just reading stuff. And it's not like I'm watching funny videos the entire time. I'll, I would watch videos yeah. with Chantel or something just yeah. to you know enjoy some laughs together. But right. as far as on my own reading things, I would find myself just completely absorbed by all the negative comments. Yeah. And it would... It would anger me, and I, you know, I, I realize it in the moment. I'm upset now, and I need to stop yeah. reading this. But I still want to read it, yeah. and it makes me want to say something because, and it's not me trying to be like I know what's right. It's I want you guys to stop being yeah. this way. Yeah. Why? Why are you so aggressive? Why are you? Why are you so upset? Why are you? You know, right? It seems so useless. Right? You know, you can debate and converse about all these different things without being so fucking hateful all the time yeah and that's what i was seeing constantly you know especially with trump and everything when 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 the whole switch over there it was just getting elevated more and more and more i mean good friends that that i've known for a long time are saying things that i think why are you being like this yeah maybe i do agree with it maybe i don't agree with it but the delivery man work on the delivery people that i I really respected prior to all of this too. You 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 watch how it, it is. It's it's a sickness. Facebook is, is just a pit of of vileness. You yeah. know, I mean, at, no matter where you're at, it, it, whether it be politics or anything else, it, the the quote that I've heard recently too that that really hits home because I'm a little bit older is that social media has made. A certain generation way too comfortable saying shit oh, yeah. without getting popped in the mouth. Yes, because you know the, my roommate's kid popped off one day, and it took everything I had not to check <laughs> that kid. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm a little older. He's a little it's younger. For generation, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, all right, <laughs> yeah, wusa. <laughs> I've learned how to calm myself in in my older age, but yeah, it's. I know exactly what you mean. I, you know, I have to have a Facebook because of the business connections right, that are there right. with photography. But man, would I like to delete that? Oh, thing. sure. Oh my god. And that's that's. It would be different if I'm still playing shows or have something to promote 
right. you know, musically, the only thing I'm promoting really right now is just this podcast, but right. music, I still like to share videos and share things that I'm working on. And I, I have things that I might like cover songs I'm working on with other people that I want right. to put out there, but it's, it's a personal thing. I find myself as many others obviously are just drawn to the negativity and I can't, I, if it's like, I see a long comment or something, I feel like I have to read it. Yeah. I want to know if they're being nice or being mean. And yeah. like, that's not my responsibility, but no. I just, I'm, I'm, I can't help myself. Dirty so laundry. I have to stop. Yeah. It, it's, it's dirty laundry. We're all, we're all addicted to it. Yeah. It's the car crash on the road that you can't help, but watch, yeah. you know, or look at when it's help, but slow down. And, and, it's the most disgusting part of all of us. <laughs> yeah. It's the part that angers me the most about myself or anybody else, you know? Yeah. It, it, why? why wh where was the disconnect that we stopped treating people well? You know, I, I just... I think it was the introduction of social media, a lot of it. Yeah. I think that was a point of decline. Because we stopped socializing with one another and just all became keyboard warriors. Yeah, the idea was you'd be able to connect with each other easier and mm -hmm. more frequently. But it's a it's just a different type of connection. It's not the same. How old are you, Rusty? Uh, thirty eight. Oh, okay. Maybe thirty nine. Yeah. Year. So you're you're part of the older generation, so to speak. And so I've yeah, definitely you, been around it in yeah. construction. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's been the, yeah. Mo the most. You know, I first started working full time. I was definitely around older generation more. Right. I, I'm not around kids very much at all. I haven't been in many years, so right. I don't know. I don't know what they're being taught in school. I don't know what is normal lingo. Yeah, <laughs> talking with each yeah. other, what they like to do. Do they give a shit about Facebook or any sort of other social media things? Do they not care? Um, I, I think I'm that Facebook has, has mainly gone to an older generation of people now too. And, and it's probably it, good for the kids. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that it's devolved into just this political wasteland of, of yeah. opinion that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to manage something like that. So I can't be that upset really because they're relying so much on probably artificial intelligence oh, yeah. to decipher things yeah. and there's just not enough human intellect involved to make sound decisions right because people are getting banned or you know for nothing yeah uh, and uh, the explanation is it was an algorithm strange algorithm or yeah. something and sometimes they'll be reinstated or sometimes they won't at all and there's still no explanation why right i've seen that with a lot of people in the intellectual community that are that will just talk about hot topics right. not even pushing an agenda or anything right. it's just a matter of talking about yeah. it apparently you just is a no -no. over the subject and yeah. then all of a sudden right or you just say one hot word yeah. you know and that that's it and that's just that's awful if, it, if we can't really talk is. about something yeah it's uh, you know and, and where does it end you know mm -hmm. there was the fact checking which is it's cool to see on some things that you know are obviously incorrect or you can right. just pull up something in a second and show that's not true right but if there are things that are either questionable or questioned or worth investigating and that gets tagged as false because of some third-party organization or something which has happened to me before when i shared something mm. and i shared it as this is interesting i can't find anything to disprove this right. i think it's interesting right. and i'm not sharing it as truth but it gets flagged as incorrect. Right. How do you know that it's incorrect? How, I can't find how it's incorrect. Yeah. Can you show me how it's incorrect? I yeah. would love to Who know. Who did your fact checking? Yeah. yeah. I want to know because I, I I don't agree with that. You right. know. And that's I think it's dangerous. Very dangerous. It's going to get more and more dangerous. But 
yeah, that's a whole other. <laughs> Absolutely. Pool. And, you know, that in itself, it, the, you know, when you're talking about the depression and, and trying to, to navigate that, then you have all of this in it, you're inundated with all of this. And, mm-hmm. you know, then the country's going nuts behind the political shit and, and all of this. Where do you find any kind of solace? You know, that, that's been one of the more difficult parts of all this and, and why too that it, it struck me so strange when she said, you know, it might be time to let this go. Not realizing that I had made it part of who I was because of everything that was going on and, and the, the social injustices that were going on in the world and all of that. And, and, you know, tying it all in together and and wondering why everything was so fucked up and, and how does it get any better from here? Yeah. You know, and then you start dwelling on that and you just slip further and further down that hole. And it, it, sometimes it's hard to climb out of. For sure. Yeah. So uh, when you say depression or you feel like you could still be depressed or battling any sort of depression, what is, that's something I still have genuine curiosity of and not really much experience of what is an episode or instance like for you that you would label as depression well uh, you know and it's unfortunate but it it generally stems from inability to do something whether it be money, you know, you're having money issues mm-hmm. or you're having relationship issues or hell, it's just, you know, my kid turned 18 and he's a little wise ass and I can't get him to, I can't, I can't get him to do what's right. And so you start piling on these feelings that it, it usually starts with a seed that is that small, mm-hmm. but then you start having these internal discussions with yourself. Like, you know, why can't I get it together? What, you know, what the fuck am I going to do shit? And you know, this creditor or that creditor or this bill or this person all of a sudden has decided that, you know, this contract isn't the way that it, you know, it typically for me is something, there's a catalyst like that uh-huh. this year, the, the, the big issues that I've had this year, um, probably revolved around finances more than anything, because when COVID hit, I was, I I had several events that were on the calendar that I had booked out my year and, you know, it wasn't going to be a banner year, but I I was going to be able to keep everything afloat. I had another $30,000 contract that, you know, I have emails saying that I was awarded the contract and then I couldn't get anybody. And they're like, well, no, we, we went with somebody else. I went and made purchases (laughs) based on this contract. And, uh, you know, some life event like that smacks you and you know when you're in a better place or you know all the bricks aren't crumbling around you it's easy to contend with that one thing or you know not but when you've got these underlying situations that are happening and then that one thing that that defeat comes sometimes it's just and it's so small at at times it just starts that snowball effect where all of a sudden you start recalling all these other things that right. that you don't seem to have any control over. And so the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. I, st- yeah. I have no idea what that means. I've never looked that up, but I don't, you know, it's, it, <laughs> it sometimes sounds those are, like that applies. Yeah. And sometimes those sayings are really interesting where they actually came from. But, um, but yeah, I, I was just curious if it was, if there's any specific 
thoughts or memories or anything, or is it just a complete sense of overwhelming defeat? I guess it. it I, I think it that is probably the most part. But then you you start, you know. Um, there have been instances where I've had to borrow money from family, and you know that does that never feels good. You right. know, you're you're supposed to be at my age, you're supposed to be well adjusted and have all your ducks in a row, and then you know your kid isn't making the right choices, and you've done everything you could to make that happen and give them all the tools they can, but in spite of everything you've done, they still fuck up. Well, you still feel like that. That's you. You know, you feel like that that's your failure. I, you know, shouldn't be in a point where family is helping me like they, like they did. And, you know, that weighs heavy on you. And you wonder, you know, COVID really this year has fucked a lot of things up. Man. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's, there've been times and, and I'm, I'm going to be real honest here. There, there are times that, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm at this age and my life is what it is. You know, through bad choices I made in my life, I, I'm I'm not blaming anybody. You know, I didn't I didn't prepare as well as I should have. I was always a gig type employee, and I I lived you know as as if it were always going to be <laughs> be there. And you know, one thing or another happens, and it's not the way that it, you mm -hmm. thought it would be, or you're not able to you know, take care of whatever commitments you made financially or whatever. And, and for a man, especially, I, I'm sure you, you know, a lot of our identity and a lot of our self-worth is tied to how we can earn, you know, and, and how we raise our families and the things that we do. And when you start hyper-focusing on the failures rather than mm. the successes and, you know, a short conversation with yourself can bring you back to reality. But when you get so far down that rabbit hole of telling yourself you're a fuck up and, you know, I, you know, is this what the next 30 years of my life is going to look like? I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, right. You know, I'm tired. Fuck this. I, you know, and while I wouldn't say that I'm a suicidal person, you know, there's still a part in every one of us that, you know, that thought crosses your mind. You know, why the fuck do I keep trudging along like this if every time seems to not get me any further down the road or I get a little further down the road and then get knocked back? You know, my business was starting to build on itself and I hadn't really prepared for a COVID type world, <laughs> right. you know? And so 2020, I didn't have the real estate end of my business built up as much as I should because I was relying heavy on these events and these tours and these dance competitions that were going to pay me well. And I had my year pretty well lined out. A few videos, you know, that were going to pay me. And then when that shit starts crashing around you and you have no plan B because the world is literally on fire. Yeah, right. You know, um, there's really nowhere for that to gas out you know and mm -hmm. so um you internalize a lot of it and you start becoming down on yourself as though you know you see people around you that you know peers that seem to have it together right you know it, it's always good it, you know everything's always good looking from the outside in but the inside out isn't always and, and that's what i i have to remind myself of quite a bit too is that Things aren't always as they seem, even in my own world, you know? And mm -hmm. so, um, this too shall pass, 
mm-hmm. is something that, that I have to remind myself of regularly because otherwise you get fixated on things that you can't do anything about or, you know, it was like the fact that I didn't have more problems while I was trying to get that divorce, trying to get divorced from her, believe it or not, we had no children together, no property to be decided. It cost me $14,000 in almost two years to get out of a divorce with somebody who tried to murder me. And it was because they could play with the courts that she wouldn't show up to a hearing or, Mm, you know, she wouldn't respond and we'd have to reschedule. So every time my attorneys have to travel to Dallas to do this, you know, so it snowballs on you and the weight, it's almost crushing at times. And so hopefully we're able to develop some coping mechanisms, but no matter how much and how self-aware I am, it can still get away from me. There are times that, you know, um, it, you just feel crushed by it and you feel like you've let everybody around you down. And, you know, of course these people don't feel that way, but you do, you feel like, you know, you, you haven't lived up to your obligations to this person or that person or this thing or that thing. And it starts to really crush you. And then you start to feel like, you know, maybe I'm not as good as what I want to be. Maybe I'm not as, as talented as what, you know, the people around me tell me I am because, you know, and you know this from being a creative man, we're probably some of the harshest critics of ourselves uh, of anybody. And so, you know, you, you combine that harsh criticism with a delicate psyche and there you have it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's a tough battle. It is. For sure. It is. Mental struggles. Have you had any, interest or experience in meditation and believe it or not yes but it's funny that you say that because i've been thinking about i I was heavily involved in the martial arts when i was in my 20s and private instruction type stuff so we delved a lot further into the meditation and the the metaphysical part of all of that Mm -hmm. and so yeah at one time i meditated a lot it it's like I say, it's funny that you say that because just recently it occurred to me that I haven't taken that time. And I remember the peace that I got out of that and, and the enlightenment really that you get from that self-reflection and just being quiet and allowing the answers to come to you, you know? Yeah. And so, um, it is something that I intend to get back into. I, have yet to take the step though. You know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions and <laughs> right. I must be on that road because I got a hell of a lot of good intentions. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you could, I mean, it, it just starts with a little bit of time. Yeah. Do you meditate? Yes. That's awesome. I don't do it as frequent as I should, but I've done it enough times now to realize the benefits yeah. that, and I know when I need to take some time. Yeah. Whether it be five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, I'll do it at work sometimes when we have a morning break or lunch or something. I might be really tired and want to take a nap or something. I could start with meditation. I might fall asleep during meditation, just set an alarm or whatever. And even if I get half of it in there, that's still better than not doing it at all to me. And man, like you said, that quiet realization of stuff coming into your head, good or bad, 
whether it's an argument you had recently or something you're worried about that you did or someone might judge you for or anything, anything like that. Right. Um, could come into your head and you could just notice it, that it's there yeah. and say, okay, and yeah. just get it away, push it away and, and move on and see what else is going to come into your head and just try to focus on anything other than those things. Right. That way you don't get sucked into them and just begin that endless loop of thought after thought after thought after shitty thought and building up and beating yourself up about something. Yeah. It's more a matter of, does this help me? Yeah. And if it's more of a learning thing, you know, like this situation comes up, am I going to learn something from this? Have I watched this scene in my head 60,000 times already? Maybe I don't need to watch it anymore. If I'm not, I haven't learned anything from it. So maybe it's time to change the channel. And it's as easy as that might sound, you know, out of my mouth, it's fucking hard to do. Exactly. And that's kind of where I'm at with this whole thing too. When she said that to me, it was almost like, okay, it, it really is. And I, I probably, I say I haven't meditated in a while. I do do a, a bit of that every day. I, I, I like some quiet time where I reflect back on all the conversations that I had and, mm-hmm. you know, just rerun my day a little bit, but I haven't done that in meditating with intent, you know, the, the purposed mm-hmm. meditation where I get quiet, I completely clear my mind and then allow it to happen. You know, I, self-reflection, meditation are two different things. Probably what I've done more lately is self-reflection. And that's dangerous because you get to that where you're like, oh, shit, I'm shit, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, the reflection might not be what you yeah, no, want it maybe, to be. <laughs> maybe I need to focus more on the meditation part of it. So I would definitely recommend that. I would because I recommend that to anybody. Are you in into TM or what is it that uh, I don't do anything specific other than just focus on breathing and let the thoughts come through yeah. and I can hold on to them if I want to or get lost in them and realize it and go right back. Yeah, uh, which is constantly happening. Yeah, but man, it that's does, always it does the help. way that I that's I, I've seen TM. I know people who are into TM. I don't know that I necessarily understand completely what TM is. Um, yeah, the transcendental, transcendental meditation. Um, I I know that the way that I was taught to do it is is similar to that. I, I don't use an ohm or anything like right. that, but I do find a focal point. I, I used to light a candle in a dark room and then lose myself in the flame hmm. enough where you slip into a different part of consciousness, yes. obviously. And so um, that's something I used to do regularly. Why I got away from it, though, I, I couldn't tell you. It just seemed to be something that I just stopped doing. And Sounds like a good Friday night thing to do tonight man absolutely (laughs) now now that you mention it that's probably going to be part of my i i've recently made some major changes in my life with diet and and that type of thing and so uh, trying to work on bettering myself and my (laughs) health and everything and so losing some weight that's good yeah if you think about it i mean if you have what i don't know I don't know what your sleep schedule is or what your schedule is, but if you have, you know, four extra hours tonight, if you set aside 10 minutes of it and just do that, I highly doubt you'll regret it. No, you're absolutely (laughs) right. I I won't. And I'm glad you said something, Rusty. I I will tell you here and now that is back in in the rotation for sure. Absolutely. Because sitting here talking with you about it, the inner peace that I used to be able to garner from that, why I ever stopped doing it and why it 
didn't occur to me to do it until you just said something. <laughs> I don't know, but um, you know, as we get older, we slip away from things and we, mm -hmm. we set things to the side, claiming we're going to get back to them. And oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I have. I don't think I've uh, had a legit gym session since before COVID. Yeah, started. So yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> over what a year now yeah. <laughs> it's pretty pretty rough yeah no so that doubt. was a big part of my life for a while i mean whether it be just to stay in shape or i actually did have a goal which i would fail every time right but it felt good to right. be able to do that right and i've lost a lot of that so that kind of sucks but anyway let's move on so yes i hope that you get involved in the meditation man, and will... if you have any breakthroughs i would love to hear about it absolutely man. the other thing was any psychedelics have you ever done psychedelics? Mm. I'm guessing psychedelics. probably. <laughs> that's another thing that goes along with intent. I actually you... haven't done any psychedelics in many, many, many years. But, you know, I I was a young man. I, <laughs> I, I, I played with it all at one point. Yeah. Um, but in recent, I mean, obviously people are finding that psilocybin helps with a lot of that. And I just... I have been so far removed from it, I wouldn't know where to get right. Good right, that's psilocybin. that's the other thing yeah. is making sure you're getting something that's yeah. <laughs> the right stuff. Yeah, and uh, in an environment that's suitable. That's that. that's something else too. I I have enough experience with it that I know that it's going to amplify whatever mood you're in when you take it. So be in the right frame of mind. Do yes, not, that's do why not I say eat psychedelics when you're depressed because you're going to get real fucking <laughs> depressed. <laughs> and there's no guarantee you're going to find a breakthrough in there. No, you definitely might, not. But <laughs> I, I, I can remember. I there was a time when I was living in Houston where I could find some of the purest microdot and, and it was clean, man. It, it, when you take it, you didn't have that nasty dirty feeling when you were coming down it was a real smooth trip but i can remember sitting there many times going i need to write a book while or write just write mm -hmm. because the the tunnels and the trails that you go through through your own consciousness through all that I, I, you know and i i can even still remember some of the the thought trails that i was on and in, in some of those and Again, good intentions, just, <laughs> but hey, if you know a guy, <laughs> I know a guy who might be interested. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um, I, I take it you have uh, experimented extensively very, with them? Very, very little. Very oh, okay. little. But what I have experienced was enough to make me a believer in that there is, there is uh, room for improving things through that. But I've also experienced some things similar to that in meditation, right? which have all been in the shower, which people laugh at me for meditating in the shower. But there's something about water, the hot water, water comfort that I feel can take me somewhere else if I'm in the right mind space. The white noise in there, too, probably mm -hmm. helps quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. What nice psychedelics have you tried? Just uh, psilocybin. Okay. I, I've heard a lot about DMT, and a friend mm -hmm. of mine went and did ayahuasca um, not long ago, and she was like, um, 
that it was without a doubt one of the greatest experiences of my life. Now I've seen people doing ayahuasca; they get violently sick. I don't <laughs> think right. I want to do that. Yeah, I've heard man. a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I want to do that, no matter how good the high is. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But um, so you smoke it. I think it's if you smoke it that it's like you're just launched into wherever you're going. Really? I mean, just like a rocket launch. <laughs> the only person I've ever heard talk about that was Rogan, Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. but. Uh, it, he swears by it, obviously. And, yeah. And no, I think is when he talked to Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson's talked about it as well. That changed oh, really? him. His really? whole ego has was really flipped around when he when he did that. Uh, I think he said he took it from straight from the toad, is what he says, Lick, wow. licking the toad or whatever. Wow. But his, yeah, his story's pretty wild on that too. I think he, he talked out. about that being like, oh, stop, make this stop, because it was just so fast and right. right away. But he said it was just an amazing experience. Yeah, I, I've had I've had a couple of experiences like that where like, uh, <laughs> just hold on, uh, is this uh, <laughs> is this going to stop? Do I have control over? It? Uh, fortunately, in almost everything I've ever done, I'm able to keep that that presence of of being like you know okay you're you're on drugs <laughs> you know it it it, it everything is 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 okay you know you're in a safe place but um i've i've had some pretty wild trips with lsd back in the day but i haven't done any kind of psychedelic in quite some time mm. i think it might be time though. <laughs> yeah maybe so yeah but it would i would definitely uh, start small oh yeah yeah yeah. because yeah. <laughs> that's all that i've done is very small doses because that's now that you mentioned that that's one thing that i've always feared by doing anything is i have to be in control yeah or if if i fear that i am not in control then i'm i might lose a little bit of yeah the little bit of control that i probably actually have right and i do not want to be in that place yeah that 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 can be as i've seen people lose it uh, on psychedelics and uh, that's why I always tell people make sure you're in the right frame of mind mm-hmm. when you take it because whatever the journey is that you're going to take it, it, it's better to be in a positive place when that all starts because it's going to amplify anything that you're feeling at that moment mm-hmm. and so uh and, but fortunately I've never had any kind of an ill experience on it but i've not done mass amounts of it either like some of the people i've seen yeah and i'm i'm one of those dabblers and you know i I ain't trying to be a vegetable the rest of my life (laughs) you're gonna catch me walking down the street talking to myself you know oh yeah that's that's a scary thing too yeah going around doing some of those heroic doses what they call it oh yeah yeah there was a guy down in houston for years man that was he had eaten like a sheet. He got pulled over and ate a sheet of blotter to keep from getting busted with it. And it fucked him up permanently. That dude was never back to reality in all the years I saw him. And that is super yeah. scary. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> I was like, ooh. Cause, but it's also very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Where did he go? Yeah. <laughs> what happened in his mind? You know, what was severed or what was entered in in there yeah. opened you know yeah is there another is there part another of his brain that's that's, that's yeah. been activated that wouldn't have been activated before or it's very strange it'd be interesting to to actually be able to see data 
on something like that. You know, yeah. if it truly is just a, you know, a, a mental health issue at the, or a, a, a mental retardation as a result of, of mm-hmm. the drugs, or if really they just got lost in there and right. couldn't find their way back. That, that, uh, I don't know. You have your voice talking to you. Maybe that voice got louder or changed, personality changed or something. It's very, Hmm. very intriguing to me and also very scary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You see somebody perma fucked and it's, it's like, man, I don't Uh, want any of that. All right. So you said you haven't listened to uh, any of the episodes on here and I I do this thing that I, I think I'm going to change the name of it, but it's just a, a one second answer to a one second question. Awesome. So it's just kind of like a rapid fire awesome. thing. And it doesn't have to mean anything necessarily. Cool. It's just two things that I'm going to say and you say whichever one comes to mind first. Okay. I'll start simple dog or cat? Cat. Pool or ocean? Ocean. Breakfast or dinner? Dinner. Music or photography? Photography. Star Trek or Star Wars? Ooh, Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Inside or outside? Inside. Snowy mountain or hot beach? Snowy mountain. Comedy or drama? Comedy. Up early or sleep in? Depends on the day, but sleep in probably. <laughs> <laughs> Writing or typing? I'm kind of old school. I, I mean, I I like to write. Uh, past or future? Past. Heads or tails? Heads. Heads. Awesome. I gotta get you something. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I forgot. Usually have like a little chocolate in here. So. Oh no, it's all <laughs> good. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. Now, was there anything specific that came to your mind when I asked inside or outside? I I, I don't know that it, I would say specific. I was trying to to kind of assess where I'm more comfortable mm-hmm. inside or outside. Uh, and I saw it more about inside of a house or inside of doors or outside of doors right? rather than inside or outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. I have to ask, this is one thing that I've just very curious about no, the mind me. and anything involving your perspective or thoughts on things. I dig it. So it's pretty Maybe dumb to some people, but I think it's no, really no. interesting. So same with comedy or drama. Anything specific that came to uh, mind? Comedy. I'm always drawn more to comedy. I, I I like to laugh much more than I like to, you know. I I and I will tell you, I am an emotional guy, man. I'll cry at a at a movie. I get made fun of all the fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> you you put something sad on TV. I'm I'm gonna be the guy tearing up in the back. I'm there. <laughs> I can't watch that fucking show. This is us with. <laughs> I have not seen that, but I know what you're talking uh, about. Don't watch it unless you want to cry every fucking episode. It's a great show. <laughs> Absolutely great show. But if you're an emotional guy, that's one that's going to fuck with you. All right. <laughs> so, I'll probably stay yeah, away from that Stay one. clear of it. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about as far as the story or any other Not things? really, man. I, I, I mean, unless you have some questions one way or the other. The, the whole thing was just the injustices. That, like I say, the, the biggest part of that is the mishandling of our, our court system and the way mm-hmm. that they don't give a shit. It's not about finding justice or finding, 
you know, making people even pay. It's a machine. It's a machine that's built for money. And mm -hmm. that is the end of that, you know, and, um, just processing. Yeah. Just, and, and you know, I, I, I've, I've tried to assess through a lot of this too, that who am I to expect justice, you know, and am I do it any more than the next guy or the next person? And, you know, I don't want to make it all about me because it's not all about me. It's, it's more about, you know, the fact that if we're really going to make a change, then changes have got to be real. It, it can't be this, this bullshit facade that we put up. Mm -hmm. But again, that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of rambling, but. Well, I mean, in your case, what, what happened with you and her and how the justice was missed, I guess on uh, her part how many other cases that's crazy what I'm saying, cases man. are I mean, just looked over like that yeah and and you know for the longest time i was like was it because she was female was it because you know i i just couldn't figure it out that's the thing it was so perplexing to me why in such a clear cut case of intent they were not concerned with that at all. They did not give a shit. Even when, you know, when I raised such hell about them give offering her adjudicated probation, I was like, man, all she's got to do is stay out of trouble for six years and it's erased as though she never did anything to me at all. I, I said, that's not right. And they're like, oh, we assure you probation's not easy to get through. And, and they talked me into being okay with what they were doing mm -hmm. only to know that there was no intention of, of them actually ever serving any justice on this. That's, that's the most disturbing part about this. Why, why do we even have it? Is it a place for lawyers to just feed? Cause that's really all it seems to be. Judges are lawyers, lawyers are lawyers, ADAs are lawyers. And I'm going to tell you, I've known a lot of lawyers in my life, and they are all scumbags. I mean, scumbags <laughs> they are some of the worst people. And and when I say, I'm not saying that just because, uh, you know, they're parasitic the way that they are. They are really bad people. I don't know many lawyers that aren't drug addicts. I mean, really and truly people that you would look at and go, there's no way. Yeah, way. <laughs> I know a bunch of them that have meth problems. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I just, I don't understand why, and, and that goes all the way to our politicians. Our politicians are some of the scummiest people on the earth, too, because they're all lawyers. <laughs> I just, oh, yeah. So the my frustration with that whole deal is just, you know, and, and that's probably when you mentioned depression and PTSD and all that, I knew that I absolutely have experience with that, uh, you know, in my own life. And I'm coming to terms with the fact that it happens to a lot of people. I'm just one face in the crowd. You know, it's, it's not something that I don't want to have the victim mentality. Sure. You know, I, I don't want to be like, Oh my God, I'm so persecuted because I'm not, I'm another guy who got undone by a system that is completely broken both for rehabilitation or even consequence you know it's completely broken mm -hmm. and so that fed into self-worth issues and you know just 
fed that depression. And, yeah. you know, I was not a guy who was depressed a lot in my life. I, I have had, there's some family history of it, I guess, with my mother, but I didn't spend a lot of time mired in muck. You know what I mean? It, it was, fuck it, you know, I'll right. go on. Yeah. You know, life is, if the sun comes up, it's a chance for it to be different. And I've always tried to sort of live by that. But then the emotions of things just overwhelm you and the feelings of worthlessness and all of that, that, that can be associated with that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, whether it be money troubles or, or something like what had happened to me or, or whatever the case might be. There are a lot of people out there and we, we know very little about it and know very little about why a person, you know, like somebody like Chris Cornell, you know, who, who had it all, not all, but from the outside looking in, mm -hmm. I happen to know that musicians lead a very lonely and, and, and you know, sitting there waiting for that 45 minutes here on stage every day can, can be yeah. grueling. Um, especially when you're out on the road away from everything, you know, and everyone, you know, and you know, you got that 45 minutes of adoration and then it's back to a quiet hotel room and you're left alone with your thoughts. But somebody who could, you know, that we admire and people who we think that, you know, they're, they're wealthy, they're famous, that people love them, uh, they've got families, they've got children, they've got a beautiful life around them. It creeps up on you in a second and it takes a hold of you in a second. And if you don't have some presence of mind in the very beginning when it's grabbing a hold of you like that, it's very easy for it to get away from you. And then all of a sudden you're feeling like, what the fuck, man, man, my family would be better off if I'm not here. You know, what have I got left to add? What, you know, what else is, is, is being damaged by me being here? You know, mm -hmm. all of these things start coming at you and, and overwhelming you. And so in a very short amount of time, it's gotcha. And you didn't even know it. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's a wonder of where do those thoughts come from? Yeah. Is it, is that your own consciousness working against itself or is that some outside interference that's just like fucking with you in a way that's, that's a whole other question in yeah. itself. But that was one of the instances that I've experienced in the shower before while, while meditating or just thinking about stuff. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it on here before, but I had a moment where I was thinking, I think it was just a couple of things that were maybe work related or something that I was a little anxious about, not, stressed that much but just thinking oh i hope that doesn't get screwed up hope this doesn't get screwed up and then i started thinking about how much it was how bad it would be i guess if i did screw it up and you know there's not even that much of a chance of it but i'm drawing myself to the negative right. thinking about it and then i just had this random overwhelming sensation of man whenever i die i won't have to worry about anything anymore yeah all that worry is just gone yep and in that what 10 seconds of thinking that it was just this incredible sensation of relief yeah. and in that moment that's when i thought i wonder if that's what people experience whenever they decide i'm done here yep. and i don't want to be here anymore yep and that honestly that scared me i'm pretty sure i teared up by just thinking about that because yeah. i don't want to do that but right. i just thought that's that feeling was incredible and yeah. very emotional and i just i can't imagine someone going through that alone in a depressed state 
or whatever. Yeah, and, because before that, you've got all these feelings of worthlessness, uh-huh. and then that hits you, and it's like, you know, I can rid the world and myself of all this trouble. Yeah. My, you know, the people who count on me aren't going to be let down by me again, mm-hmm. or this or that or that or this, you know, and, and yeah, I tell people all the time, it takes a fraction of a second to make a decision that changes things forever. Yes. And we have to be real careful about those fractions of a second we let get away from us Mm -hmm. because that fraction of a second then leads to 10 seconds of thinking about it and boom, you know, somebody in a, that type of depressive state that might not be on solid ground, it, you know, it, it doesn't take anything at all to make that ultimate decision very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we think that, you know, when we think about people dying, it's like, okay, well, there's this built. No, it's a fraction of a second and it's over. Mm-hmm. And you've made an ultimate decision that you can't take back. Yeah. That moment of clarity um, or that, that position of clarity is probably what has kept me from ever succumbing to that. I, I've had those thoughts. There's mm-hmm. There have been several times in my life where I was definitely considering it because it's like, you know, oh, what the fuck do I want to continue to do this? But some of my family members that, that mean a lot to me, it's, I would consider the aftermath mm-hmm. and what they would have to deal with right. and the answers and the anger that they would probably have. It's not going to fix anything. It's yeah. a, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Right. And, and so, it's, it's a problem typically in your head and it oh, could, yeah. it could be not as bad to other people or bad at all to right. other people. And it could be worse to other people, but that doesn't mean you need to take yourself out of the equation completely. Right. And if you don't consider everyone that you're leaving behind and the feelings that they will have and the love that they have currently for you that maybe you're just not realizing or not accepting for whatever reason, I think it's very selfish, obviously, because you're you're taking yourself out. And I it, mean, it, I'm it sorry if that extreme, hurts someone's no, no, feelings, no, no. but it I mean, it is. It is extremely selfish. You bet your ass it is. It, it is. it is you're only thinking about you. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that, I mean, unless you're saving the world by doing something. Well, and, <laughs> I mean, if you're Charles Manson, that's one thing, but, you know, or, you know, other people <laughs> that, that I wouldn't be too, too sad if they did. But I unfortunately have had a lot of friends take that ultimate step mm. starting back when I was in high school. And, you know, it, there's never an answer for it. I, the only one, there was somebody that I knew here locally, you may have even known them too, that blew their head off because they had AIDS and they were spreading it and were about to mm. be sent to prison for it. Um, they were knowingly spreading it and were about to be sent to prison or at least be charged and tried mm-hmm. for it. And they, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that. That person. Yeah. That's uh, once again, there's, there's gray areas everywhere. Yeah. That's, that's a, <laughs> it's a very different situation. Yeah very strange i can't imagine being in that situation and if i just the realization of you wronging or like basically ruining people's lives yeah intentionally Uh uh-huh intentionally and that that was the thing that 
you know, you, you feel bad for the people that were left behind as a result of that ultimate decision that that person made. But at the same time, the decisions that that person was making and the lives that they were destroying out of their own selfishness, it's hard to feel sorry for them. Sure. You know, it's hard to feel bad about that. Yeah. Um, and it is still selfish because whether that be punishment like my own punishment is I'm going to kill myself because I deserve that. Or do I deserve to think about it for the rest of my life and realize what I've done and, or maybe improve myself and be able to help others who are going through something similar and help them not make mistakes. Yeah. You could utilize yourself and help others in, an, in whatever way you could just to justify all the other things that you've ruined or done, you know, whether that might be a, a happy enjoyable life is yet to be determined but i i think probably the only excusable um and, and it's hard to say that any of it would be excusable but if if there was you know if somebody was lacking the mental capacity to you know Mm -hmm. be thinking about the only about themselves that it, for the most part when somebody does that they are so consumed with self and whether it be feeling of self-worthlessness or you know just whatever it is they're consumed with themselves they're not thinking about anything else around them or the devastation that it'll cause and so for that fact it's it's hard to to really feel sorry for those people. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, I mean, I've been there, you know, and, and having that foresight in that regard, I understand why they get there. But again, it's just a few seconds. Mm -hmm. If you'll just hang out and, you know, maybe smoke a bowl or something. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you. I mean, weed has definitely saved my life more than once, but, um, Mm -hmm. You know, because it calmed me enough to have all that stinking thinking go away. Yeah, you know, yeah sure. Uh, where I could get out of myself a little bit and and consider what I was really considering. Mm -hmm. I've definitely used that for meditation yeah. at times. Oh yeah, to help just calm everything. It just it, it calms even thoughts in, oh, yeah. in my head as yeah, well. Absolutely. And um, something you said earlier there was a random thought that passed in my head or an image of, I guess, replaying something in your head or if you have something that's, that's causing you to be depressed or would be categorized as PTSD. If you were to picture what is happening thought wise, like if it's an event or something that you're just replaying, you know, you saw it with your own eyes, you know, like there's something that I've experienced before a few things, but one is the deer that was hitting the road paralyzed right flopping around i fucking hate that image but it's burned oh, yeah. in my head and i couldn't do anything about it sometimes it pops up in my head just randomly or if i'm looking at another deer or something right. you know it just where did that come from get the fuck out of my head right if you could picture that as it's like in a tv set or something and it could be in your peripheral view and you don't have to watch it you know it's there and right. like ah, there it is again Turn the TV off right. <laughs> and see if something else pops up and takes your mind off of that. Right. Um, that was just a random vision that I had in my head of it, just a TV set off to the side. And I wonder if that could be, you know, whether you or me or anybody else listening, that, that could be utilized in a way of 
if you can have that presence of mind. The problem mm-hmm. is, is that sometimes when you're in the throes of that, you're totally consumed. I'd be like virtual reality glasses or something. It, 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 it is, and it's almost like you can't get away from it because mm-hmm. it's it's continuing to throw itself into your your frontal consciousness, and it's like you know. So instead of going, you know, I'm just going to turn this off. You're you're dealing with this thing coming at you, going, "Why again? I I don't want this. I I need to get away from this." And so sometimes it's hard. If you can have that presence of mind, that separation, you know, okay, this is what's happening. Take a deep breath, calm down. If you can catch yourself, then yes, you can do that. But a lot of times, as as you well know, you have no control over the fact that it's mm-hmm. come to you. And your initial reaction in trying to deal with it, sometimes you focus all your consciousness on that and there's no room for that extra thought of, mm-hmm. hey, I'm, I'm just going to switch this off for now. Mm-hmm. So um, the human mind is a weird, weird <laughs> thing, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, because at times I, I've done a lot of self-reflection and, and going back and working on myself. It, like I said, that the martial artist friend of mine that, that I was involved with in my early 20s taught me a lot about that and a lot about you know separating yourself from some of those things and and doing it through meditation you know compartmentalizing things Mm -hmm. but sometimes when you're in the throes of it all that's out the window sure because you're just trying to cope with what's happening in front of you right then yeah it it could be the same as you know uh maybe knowing how to how to tread water Mm -hmm. basically I know how to tread water. I can jump in a little pool and and tread my way around, but it would be the same as just like opening your eyes and you're ten feet down in the deep end. Yeah. What, what do I do? Yeah. You know, panic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I could totally see that for sure. You come overwhelmed in the moment sometimes, but yeah. I, I know at least my own experience with the PTSD. I you know, I know this isn't real. I I know that I'm moving past this, but. At the moment, you're overwhelmed by it, and it's just this—it's this feeling of oppression, mm-hmm. almost. It—it's—it's really—it's sort of hard to explain, but I guess you're paralyzed in a way. In, in a way, yeah, kind of. Your your psyche kind of is at that at that moment. You're frozen in that moment, mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, we can always grab a hold of ourselves if we can take that moment to remember. To grab a hold of ourselves mm-hmm. but when you're dealing with it in the moment sometimes taking that moment doesn't even come into your your thought process it's right. just a matter of oh shit i'm dealing with this now mm-hmm. not this is not real you know <laughs> when i used to dream about just like scary things when i was a kid yeah this is a weird association that i did forever ago and you know i, I only got into the mindfulness and meditation stuff just a few years ago so really? Um, I didn't even think about it back then, but I had these reoccurring dreams about Freddy Krueger. Nothing crazy or specific, just, ah, oh, there he is, you know, yeah. scary movie time or whatever. Right. And then I told myself when I was awake one time, just think of oranges or just like if something's scary or wrong, just think of something simple, an orange. It's easy right. to picture. Just think of an orange. Right. So I did that when I was 
in, in a dream one time. And of course, Freddy Krueger just sliced through the orange and there that, <laughs> there that went. <laughs> but, but I was able to produce that orange in my head. And, right. and I never connected that to anything until kind of just right now. Maybe something like that could be utilized where if you have a reoccurring thing, if, if you're conscious about it now, think about something else. Think or yeah. think about the orange. Think about a watermelon. Think about anything, any other object. And even if that does get destroyed in the process, you're still able to in, incorporate that somehow. Right. And maybe there's a way to, that's like getting your foot into the door of breaking up this reoccurring thing. It's a pause. Thing. It's a pause. Yes. A, a, a it section takes, takes you, you out of it yeah. for a second. Yeah. And maybe you can take it out, take yourself out of it for another couple of seconds next right. time or something. Right. It just came to me. So I don't, yeah, I don't it, know. It, it, it's an association type exercise where, you know, you, you, I've had that experience too, like where you you have these conversations in lucid moments with yourself that, okay, when this happens, I'm going to tell myself and remind myself that this is not real. This is not, this is not happening right now, or this isn't, you know, what you're feeling is not necessarily the truth. It's something you're doing to yourself. So have the presence of mind when you feel that coming on to tell yourself that. And maybe that little word of affirmation that you've given yourself ahead of time can help pause that and break you out of it for just even momentarily enough where you can grab some presence of mind and, mm -hmm. and not not be so consumed by it all of a sudden. And yeah, because so, yeah, yeah. even those few seconds are just are priceless. Just yeah. the same with, with meditation. If you find those true, quiet, peaceful seconds of nothingness, it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think we've addressed everything on my list here. And That's awesome, man. I've really uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, and likewise. I would, uh, I, anytime you need a co-host, man, <laughs> be, feel free to let me know. I, I, uh, I've been threatening to do podcasting like this for a while. I, like I said, well, I you obviously you, have the voice for it. Uh, <laughs> thanks. I appreciate that. There were some moments where I was listening to it. I thought there's like little inflections of Casey Kasem and, and just <laughs> Casey <laughs> Kasem top, top 40 you're top 40 <laughs> so do you have any specific plans or goals or anything for the upcoming years you'd like to mention or push or promote or uh, you know man if anybody needs a photographer uh, you know and, and you're not available <laughs> <laughs> no uh, I would I would send them to my wife or elsewhere right. I can send hey, them to uh, yeah as a matter of fact Chantal is she still doing a lot of wedding work yeah okay it is Chantal, right? Chantel. Chantel. I'm sorry, man. That's all right. <laughs> I, she, she gets I a lot of I different versions. I should probably <laughs> check because I'm sitting here with her husband. Um, she's always been one of my favorite wedding photographers here in the she's area. She's pretty good. So, yeah. I started shooting uh, wedding video with Epic last hmm. year. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pain in the ass, man. Weddings yeah, I, are a pain in I the ass. I believe it. <laughs> You have fourteen hour days carrying all that equipment around. Yeah, video is a whole different story from photography. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I after spending a year doing that, I decided that photography is is definitely where I'm probably going to I like video, I but not in a wedding setting. I would much rather do like industrial type stuff and and mm. commercial type stuff and yeah. corporate stuff because it's easy. You you 
lav somebody up, you do a couple of interviews and, and put it with some B-roll and you got yourself some yeah. good stuff. You're not chasing around bridesmaids and kids. Yeah, and, I wonder about guests oh, and yeah. interferences. I like yeah. all the pictures from down the center of the aisle and you see all the phones sticking out in yeah. the way. <laughs> yeah, and, and, or <laughs> Those are come, fun. Literally stand right in front of you and it's like, you do see the camera here, yeah. right? It, you do know that we're recording things. Yeah, they're yeah. probably just thinking, yeah. oh, I got to get this though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, man, I, you know, as far as photography goes, um, I'm just <laughs> cranking it out like the rest of it. Do you got a, a, real a website or Facebook or whatever yeah, you want? I've got, uh, I've got a couple of websites for my real estate stuff. It's ishootyourproperty.com. And then my personal website is johnwalshphoto.com. Awesome. So, and then Instagram, both of those names. I also have uh, Instagram. I shoot your aircraft if you're into airplanes and stuff. Nice. Right? Okay. Uh, but that one hasn't been updated in a while. <laughs> I haven't had the time to go to the airports and shoot airplanes. But uh, yeah, my real estate stuff is on I shoot your property and uh, John Walsh photo, respectively, on both for Instagram as well. So okay. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Like likewise. Very much. Thank you for sharing everything. Not a problem, man. All right. Have me back anytime. <laughs> All right. See you, folks. Bye bye. Rusty's Escape Pod. Rusty's Escape Pod.